0: In Matthew four nineteen, Jesus says, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the Four Nineteen Disciple Makers Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Four Nineteen Disciple Maker Podcast. We are blessed today to have with us Joan Wood, who has been discipling women for quite a while, and I consider her an expert in the field, and so. Uh, Today is going to be encouraging and uh, educational, I think, for all of us. And so, welcome, Joan.
0: Thank you, Pastor Mark.
1: We just uh, learned something, didn't we, that we were born in the same city. city.
0: How about that,
1: Miami, Florida?
0: How about that?
1: God bless Miami, Florida. <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew, I liked you. I knew, I liked you. <laughs> there was you. something. Mm-hmm.
0: It's a small world,
1: isn't it? It really is, and. We've um, we've been getting a lot of great feedback about the podcast uh, from people who are uh, actively engaged in trying to live out the Great Commission, discipling people, in other words, sharing everything they know about how to live for Jesus uh, in the lives Wonderful. of others. And uh, today, uh, we're excited to have you because of your experience. You don't just read about this or um, just know a little bit about it. You're, you've you been uh, discipling women for quite a while, haven't you?
0: Well, um, around eight or nine years—is that quite a while?
1: That's quite a while. You know, Jesus only did about three years. So you've got like way more well, experience that's than true. him. Just kidding on that. <laughs> Don't send emails. Yeah, we. Um, but you didn't start um, as discipling women. Um, you no. No. So tell us a little bit about you before we jump into uh, what you know uh, about discipleship. You were a nurse.
0: Yeah, registered nurse.
1: Yeah, and uh, what was your particular field?
0: Uh, Coronary intensive care when I was clinical, but most of the time I spent my time as an administrator or a supervisor. Okay, Uh
1: and so you were bedside?
0: Well, for 10 years, and then the rest of my career. I've been retired for quite a while, and so most of my career I was in management supervision at an administration. Yeah. And then uh, the last nine years of my career, which really was the, I think, the apple on the pie uh, part of my career, was that I developed a parish nurse program for a major hospital system here in Georgia.
1: Right. Now, what is a parish nurse?
0: <clears throat> well, a parish nurse is an RN who's placed on the staff of a church to be a minister of health.
1: Wow. Very that's, different,
0: but yeah. it's across the country and across the world. So know. they they call it different things, congregational health nursing, but the man who developed it was out of Chicago and he called it parish nursing. So that's kind of what I still call sense. it.
1: Yeah. So how that that was your career field, uh-huh. nursing? And, of course, your faith. I know you love the church. You've been in the church for a while. How did you marry those two, your career and your faith? How did that happen? Well,
0: that's how I did that when I started to develop the parish nurse program. But then after I retired and I had to give up that position, then I started to center my time and energy and talent to God and to the church. Hmm. And that's how I found my way into discipleship and discipleship making. But it was a long journey. It was probably, after I retired, it was probably another five or six years before Hmm. I found disciple making was what God was calling me to do and to be involved in.
1: Well, and I I like the word you use, journey, because I think for everybody that finds themselves in any kind of spiritual leadership, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a journey behind that.
0: (laughs) Sure, of course (laughs) there is.
1: And your journey, uh, how did that really begin for you is realizing that Jesus had called you to make disciples?
0: Well, believe it or not, Pastor Mark. When I stop and think of of, of my journey in in discipling, is do you remember that you uh, led a class uh, on uh, on the book The Master Plan of Evangelism? I
1: remember that well.
0: Okay. Well, I was one of your
1: I remember students that
0: students in that, and that was my first exposure. Interesting. Coleman's The Master Plan of Evangelism. Yeah, and. I really was shocked when I read that book to think of how Jesus really taught, trained his disciples mm-hmm. by doing, by calling. Uh, I was just I was just enamored with that. But shortly after that, uh, one of the people in our congregation, uh, Bill, uh, invited me to go to a weekend seminar. Presented by Alan Coppage. Oh, yeah. The biblical, who wrote the biblical plan of evangelism. And by the time the, that weekend was over, I felt the call. Wow. I felt the call. And uh, Paula, um, Bill's wife, invited me over to her house with a group of other women. There were probably about 10 of us. And she wanted to start a disciple group. And uh, so for the next three years, This group of women, well, not all of them, but some of them, uh, met with myself at Paula's home for three years as we learned what disciple and disciple-making was all about. Mm. And by the time that that was over, uh, I wanted to branch out on my own and duplicate that, that process. And so I started my own group. And then that group started another group. And so here I am nine years later, uh, (laughs) as excited about discipling and disciple-making as I was when I first heard it from Alan Coppage.
1: So it wasn't something that you were necessarily looking for. It was something you were introduced to. Exactly. Yeah, I I hear that a lot from people. Do you? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that, you know... It, the thinking is is well you give your heart to Christ and mm-hmm. you kind of go to church and you give and be nice and learn things and then you just kind of ride that pony to the end <laughs> but mm-hmm. but then you hear along the way that we've been entrusted with this gift and the beauty of that entrustment is is that we'll do something with it and give exactly. it away exactly yeah and you're doing that you done you did that so what was it about and you go back for a minute about Coleman's Robert Coleman's book, Master Plan of Evangelism, mm-hmm. what was it about that book that really interested you?
0: Well, uh, it, in, it interested me that the kinds of men that he selected mm-hmm. or he called or he asked uh, to be his disciple mm-hmm. and to be his apostles, and these were men that had no special training, they weren't educated, Um, they were fishermen, they were a tent maker, they were a tax collector, they were just common, ordinary people, Mm -hmm. and yet they changed the world.
1: Wow. Yeah, here we are. (laughs)
0: And how he did it. You know, he didn't have a video or a book or a notebook. Yeah, he didn't have a lecture planned. He didn't have a lesson plan. He showed them mm. how to serve his father, mm-hmm. and he taught them by showing them and by being with them. Yeah, and they followed him.
1: Yeah, it's it's a simp- It's it's really a simple process if you think about it, isn't it? It's not easy. No, but it's simple it's a mentoring, showing, equipping, releasing. And I think in the in church world we we've made it a lot more complicated than it really oh, is. Have. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we have, we have.
1: Then you stumble upon a little book, 88 pages like mm-hmm. that one, written in 1960 by Robert <laughs> Coleman, and you wonder, why have I not seen this before? How come I've not heard sermons on on this? And I as you know, when Robert Coleman came and, and taught us on on the book actually, um that there are eight principles that he uses in that book that Jesus used and that we can use. And I know the first one uh, is um, a selection. Is that right? Right. And uh, so tell us a little bit. So selection, uh, what's your understanding of that part of the process?
0: Well, you know, it in a lot of ways is key to everything else that will follow. And that it's the one that is... Uh, I think most challenging for, uh, and I'm only going to talk about women now because we do mm-hmm. do disciple our own uh, gender. Yeah. And um, we both, you and I understand that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, and
1: babies come from storks. Yeah, we know Yeah, that. right.
0: <laughs> but that does, you know, we do, women do things differently than oh. men do. We think different. We feel different. We respond different. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with discipling. So uh, what I want to share with our audience today is that probably the first step is to pray, mm-hmm. to pray to God to send us the right people to be in our group. And this may take months. This part of discipling may take months. Don't think it's just something you do overnight, Mm -hmm. or you just come up with this list of women Mm -hmm. to ask to be in your group. Yes, you do have to think about it, but you do have to pray about it. And I think it's important to realize that, you know, uh, you can't matchmate in this. And uh, I like the... It's um, in
1: like e-harmony for, for Christians, <laughs> huh? <laughs> no,
0: no, not at all. Not at all. I like uh, to refer to uh, John fifteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Wow. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. And I think if you can really grasp what that means, uh, is that... It, it isn't all up to you, mm-hmm. and that you don't have to necessarily go out and turn over the right stone or brick or whatever to find that right person to ask, but ask God to send them. Now, that still you still have to use your own judgment and thought process. So uh, I think that it's good if you start when it's your first group that you look at your kind of sphere of influence. In other words, look around you, look at the uh, women or the men if you're uh, a, a man listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe who's in your Sunday school class or who else is around you in the choir or the orchestra uh, or out on the golf course or who you play bridge with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those kinds are neighbors Just who are you around in your day-to-day life You know what's
1: exciting to me about what you're saying right now Is that it breaks the mold of who God uses in groups Because God picks that God chooses that And then lets us in on Hey, invite this person Or invite that person It's not always our list of friends or people we already know I've had people that I set out to pray over a group of names to invite mm-hmm. in a group and over 6 months of praying for them have been introduced to people I didn't know when I started the prayer process.
0: Exactly.
1: And then was able to add their name and pray. So, I love that. To me that feels adventurous. Mhm. To it just is. pray, God, you send the people and then he he has he ever failed you on that? Never. Isn't that amazing?
0: Never. And then um Besides my own thought process, and you start looking at people with a different lens, if you will, because you're thinking you're looking for some certain qualities in that per in a person, in a woman, or in a man, and uh, those qualities uh, the acronym FAT F A T faithful, available, and teachable. Mm-hmm. But I like to use the acronym Faith.
1: Yeah, because people don't like to be called fat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you never tell them you're using no. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's just our own little kind of secret. Okay.
1: We had, we had fun with that when we, years ago, if you remember, you and I were in meetings where we would say, you know, I'm looking for a fat guy, or I'm looking for a fat woman to go in my group. You're like, wait a minute. Wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. wait.
0: No, but really what we're looking at, I like the five characteristics. Faith, faithful, available, because you know you can find the perfect person to be in your discipleship group and they just they aren't available they're taking mm-hmm. care of grandma or mom or they're uh, taking care of their grandchildren or they work full- time they work two jobs mm-hmm. they're never they'd love to do it mm-hmm. but they're not available
1: yeah it's, it's and a- it's
0: just not the right time in their life so availability is critical intentional yeah. That's another. Somebody that really is meaningful in what they say and what they do and how they behave. Yeah. And then the other characteristic, the T, tea, teachable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody that is willing to learn yeah. and doesn't think they know it all. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the last characteristic is the H, hungry. And that's probably the most important. Somebody that's hungry for what?
1: Yeah, righteousness. Yeah, Jesus said it. Mm-hmm. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. Right?
0: Hungry to know God. Mm-hmm. Hungry to know His will.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hungry to hear His call. Mm-hmm. Hungry to serve. Yeah. yeah. Hungry to reproduce, and I don't mean babies. I yeah. mean reproduce disciples. Yeah. So those are the those are the characteristics that we should look for in people as we are, and I really recommend making a list. I mean writing it down, the names, and maybe it's just somebody out of the blue that comes to you, that maybe you've just seen in the periphery of your life. Write that name down, pray about it, talk to God about it, and Mm -hmm. it'll come to you whether you should invite that person or not. The other uh searching that I can recommend is that-
1: Well, uh, Hold on, before you go there, let me mm -hmm. make sure everybody was able to, because if they're driving right now, they want to remember this. So the the acronym that you use is like a filter in your selection process of who's going to be in your group that you're going to disciple. And by the way, I got to tell you, that's a very different paradigm than most people have ever had about church. They think if you put it in a bulletin, people will just come. Or if you just tell the pastor, "I want to start this group," that he'll fill it for you. But that's right. this is a this is a this turns that on its head.
0: Right. This is a whole different ballgame.
1: It, it is, and what I hear you saying is, it's where you start with praying for God the Father to send those people into your group, not your senior pastor.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And then when you start seeing these names that you're writing down, you said that you look for the FAITH acronym. So um, one more time, just so people can write it down, uh, the F is?
0: Faithful, available, in, intentional, teachable, and hungry.
1: All right, I think that's very helpful uh, for people. And when you find that there's somebody like that, um, then how do you move that process forward? Okay.
0: Um, this is how I started out, and actually, it's still pretty much what I do. I mean, it's it's worked for me for several groups. Um, once I have the name of somebody that I've been praying about and thinking about, uh, I approach them then uh, privately, not in a group. I don't call them on the phone, mm. but I try to make a, a personal contact so that it's eyeball to eyeball. Yeah. And say, Sally, could we, would you be interested in getting together uh, with me for a cup of coffee or maybe a light lunch or just some time together that we could just talk? And I'd love to share with you what I'm thinking about that you might be interested in doing with me. Hmm. And then um, I carve out at least an hour Hmm. to talk with that person. Uh, I've met people at a coffee house I've invited some people to my home. Uh, It just depends on the individual and how far away from me they live. Uh, I have never met them at the church. Mm. It's always been outside of the church Mm -hmm. proper to do that. And then I just talk to them about themselves, ask them, about themselves if I don't know them very well. Most of the people I've met before and know a little something about, but I have met people that I hardly know anything about. Hmm. So it's the whole gamut. And so you, I can't give you a formula. You have to go on what that person is and how they respond to what you're going to talk to them about. So you share with them maybe some of your faith in what you're doing and find out what they're interested in, and you try to ask the questions to try to explore, are they hungry? Do they want to grow? Uh, uh-huh, okay. Um,
1: so you kind of go down the filter in your own mind as you're talking with them about available and intentional and all those things, right?
0: Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. And then... Then you try to find out if they would be interested at all in disciple making. And right away, most people think you're talking about a Bible study. Yeah. And so um, it's very important that you can clarify for them why this is not a Bible study, although the Bible is the foundation and basis on which all disciple-making and being a disciple is about, but that it's not just transmitting wisdom, it's transforming lives. Mm. And if that individual doesn't show any interest in wanting to influence someone else about what they believe...
1: Mm-hmm
0: then you pretty much know that you're not talking with the right fit of that person in a group.
1: Mm -hmm. Or like you said earlier, maybe it's the timing. Exactly. Maybe they're just not in a place. Maybe they've got, they're faithful, they're intentional, they're teachable, they're hungry, but like you said, they... It's just not the right time. Yeah, they live in another state six months a year or something, you know, or they travel. They travel all the time, right. Yeah.
0: Because it's someplace place uh, along the way with the conversation, and it may t- it, you may not be able to cover all this in the first time you get together with this individual, but somewhere down the road before they can make a commitment, you'll need to share that we're talking about a, a two- to three-year commitment mm-hmm. that we meet weekly, mm-hmm. that our sessions are an hour and a half to two hours in length, Mm-hmm. And that you're accountable to each other in terms of accomplishing whatever it is that you're talking about, exploring, and learning about, and studying. Um, And so now, this might really scare you off, but I've done it, and I'm going to share with you what I do. And I don't know of anybody else that does it, but it's worked for me. And it really helps me figure out... Is this person really wanting to get involved in this? And that is, I ask them, and I usually have these books with me, The Master Plan of Evangelism, mm-hmm. The Invested Life by Rosenberg and uh, Tushi. and then the third one is The Biblical Principles of Discipleship by Alan Coppedge. Now, that would scare almost anybody, would it not? <laughs>
1: well they probably can't won't say i have read all three of those
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i've had quite a few that did really really interesting now that in itself takes several months okay um to do and if you've got that kind of time then by the time that person has read those three things they pretty much know what you're talking about when you're talking uh, about disciple-making and discipling. I
1: got you.
0: And if not, if they don't get all of that read and they say yes to wanting to be in your group, uh, then I ask that they get those read before we ever start
1: Wow, our group. Yeah, so they come in. The f- so your first group, you've got some people that are downstream already, don't you?
0: <laughs> well, it really, uh, for me, sorts out who really is truly interested in what we're looking at doing mm-hmm. and how it makes it different from any other type of group that you've been involved with in your church or in your ministry. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciplemakers podcast.